are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock back again on this Tuesday mailbag edition, dipping into another mailbag as we have been doing Tuesdays throughout the regular season and got a bunch of tweets and emails to get to. If you ever want to get involved in these mailbags or just say hi, hit me on Twitter at BDPeacock or email LockedOn49ers at Gmail. Dot com. Yesterday, I covered a lot of the Quan Alexander stuff, so I probably won't answer most of those questions, even though a lot of people were still asking about that. There are some angles that I think we can still cover, though, when it comes to the 49ers linebackers and how that will look the rest of the way. And we will be doing a lot of looking ahead at the Seattle Seahawks getting ready for Monday night football. Let's jump right into this with an email from Rob, who... Uh, says, Goodwin being inactive last game was a little peculiar. If they bring back Taylor or Hurd off IR, is he the one to go? It's an interesting question because reliability, I think, is really important for an NFL team. It's a private situation, really, for him, so I don't think we need to dig too deep into what's going on with Goodwin. If he thinks he needs to be away from the team, then he needs to be away from the team. I get the feeling that with Goodwin, it would have to be him that takes himself out a leave of absence or a semi-retirement situation or coming to some sort of a conclusion with the team about his future, more so than the 49ers saying, okay, Marquise Goodwin, you're cut and we're bringing in one of these guys off IR. And he's still one of the two or three best receivers on the team currently with the young guys still developing. So it's hard to say. I would lean toward no. And first of all, it's not a given that Taylor or Hurd will be coming off of IR this year. Haven't really had any good reports about them potentially being ready to come off of IR. And at this point, I would still say no, it would not be Goodwin. But of course, if he continues to stay out, then, you know, maybe that situation would take care of itself. But at this point, don't really know what's going on with Goodwin and not really too worried about trying to dig deep into what that is. Mostly just hope everything's good with him and his family. And by the way, Rob, thanks for uh, the tips on some South Lake Tahoe cocktail bars. I will definitely be hitting Tahoe this winter and might need one of those cocktails to keep me warm after a day in the snow. An email from Mark says, hey, Brian. If the Texans lose a couple more games and the Niners and Ravens keep winning, what are the odds that the Week 13 Niners-Ravens game gets flexed into Sunday night football slot currently slated for Pats-Texans? Thanks for the email, Mark, in London. I would say there's a near 0% chance because it's the Pats already and the Pats are a big draw. And right now the Texans are still in a fight for that AFC. I think they're tied for the lead in the AFC South, so... Uh, By week 13, something catastrophic would have to happen there with those teams to make uh, a Pats-Texans game not be a pretty good Sunday night football game. Very low chance that the 49ers game gets flexed, and it seems like the NFL doesn't really want to flex games, and I know the whatever network has that game definitely wants to keep it. So that's another aspect of it. That one, I think, just won't happen because it's Pats and Texans already in Sunday night football. If it's a real dog crap game, then maybe... Yeah, that would make a lot more sense, but I just think the networks probably will not want to flip it, and the NFL wouldn't be worried about flipping 
the Pats out of prime time. To Aaron via email says, hey, Brian, do you think we have Joe Staley's replacement already on the roster or at some point should we look for a highly touted prospect? I've gotten a few draft questions recently and what positions the 49ers might be looking at in the draft. I think offensive tackle just because Staley's age and, you know, he's had some injuries over his career. And, you know, this is broken leg is not an insignificant injury for a 300-pound dude in his 30s. So tackle is absolutely a position the 49ers will probably be looking at in the draft and maybe somebody who could potentially, and I thought they were going to look at this type of a player last year in the first few rounds, but a player that could come in, play some guard maybe early, and then move out to tackle eventually. You know, if you're looking for a starting caliber player, they could start somewhere that's not tackle while Staley and McGlinchey are still doing their thing on the outside and then maybe eventually move that player to the outside. Dalton Reisner was one of my guys that I really liked in that second round area last year, and he's had a pretty good rookie year. So that's the, the style of player I would think looking at, and even if you ended up with just a really good guard or someone who's a, you know, you could look at center still because they're paying Weston Richburg a lot of money. They're going to start paying some other guys a lot, so maybe you want to start looking for a future center to potentially replace him, although Richburg has played a lot better this year after he's finally been recovered from that knee injury that he really hurt him all of last year. you got to keep putting resources into the offensive line, um, but maybe they've found those guys. Maybe they're okay with what they've seen from Justin School and Daniel Brunskill, and we'll find out when Staley and McGlinchey are back and how much better that offensive line looks if it does and if they're able especially to run the ball a lot better and, and use check. I have a feeling that's going to be a nice recipe for the 49ers running game, getting all of those players back. But yeah, you got to keep competing basically personnel-wise on all of the spots on your roster, and, and there's really not many places that you would say that the 49ers couldn't address just because you want to have depth you want to continue to replace the players that go away I mean you know if Armstead walks and then eventually Solomon Thomas walks and as deep as the 49ers are at defensive tackle maybe defensive tackle is even a position that you start looking at there you know it's it's not a hundred percent guarantee that DeForest Buckner is going to get re-signed uh, you want to still always have a really good pass rush so anywhere on the defensive line even though there's five first rounders there now you can still look at edge guys you can still look at interior defensive linemen you could look at any of the five offensive line spots, you could look at linebacker. Quan's hurt. He's making a lot of money. He's had two significant injuries. And the 49ers could get out of Quan's contract anytime they want. So linebacker is one that you could look at. Uh, I know the 49ers love putting resources into running back. I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted a running back high. Probably not a first-round player. But really, you look at you know, secondary, you can look across the roster and, and find positions that would make sense for the 49ers and when you're good everywhere or pretty good everywhere as the 49ers have turned out to be now the best thing that you can have is that sort of a roster where you can literally draft and it, people say it a lot but it's not often practiced in the NFL that you can sit back and draft the best player available and so any of those positions I think if the best player available is at those positions you say yeah let's go let's do it but offensive line still should always be a priority. Billy wants to know, has the defensive line got a nickname yet? Do you think we need a nickname to be one of the best defensive fronts ever? <laughs> no, I don't think a nickname is a prerequisite to have one of the best defensive lines of all time, but I don't think it hurts for, you know, for historical sake for teams 
or for fans to remember certain teams and be like, oh, yeah, that's the blankety blanks, right? So a nickname would be nice. I think it would be fun to have for, for a team that's got a really great front right now, but you can't force it. And there's been a lot of submissions I've seen, some good, uh, some don't feel right. So, And there's more questions here about the defensive nickname, so let's get into more of that next. This episode is brought to you in part by Greg's Tax Service. Honest and straightforward, Greg's Tax Service has been in the business for 25 years. They can help with any number of tax problems, including unfiled returns, back taxes, IRS collection, and audit representation. Find out more at gregstaxservice.com. All right, this is a good time to tell the fellas out there about Blue Chew. Guys, do you remember when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help you follow through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. And they're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, BlueChew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. BlueChew is the cheaper, better, faster choice. BlueChew.com, promo code locked on. We thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Let's do one more email here. This one from Barnaby, who has an idea about a 49ers defensive nickname first he says big big fan of your podcast i'd love to hear your perspective on my team we're very lucky to have you as our team rep for the locked on series thank you barnaby i appreciate that he goes on to say i think the niners are doing everything right this season this next game of course will be the biggest test so far seahawks look very good wilson is great their wide receivers lockett metcalf gordon sounds scary how do you think our secondary will fare against that trio of speed and size what can the Niners take advantage of with the Seahawks? And what do you think is their biggest weakness? I thought of a nickname for a defensive line, the Gold Front, a play on Cold Front. Here's the definition of Cold Front, the boundary of an advancing mass of cold air. He also says advancing mass by itself is a good nickname. So uh, the cold, the Gold Front, advancing mass I see where you're going with those, Barnaby. I see where you're going. I, I don't know if I can stamp those with my approval yet, but as far as the Seahawks go, their weaknesses are all on the defensive side of the ball, and that secondary is definitely one that you can attack. That game on Sunday, the overtime game, where they barely squeaked out a win in OT against the Buccaneers, who the 49ers already beat in Week 1, I mean, that was a barn burner. 40-34 to 34 was the final Five touchdown passes from Russell Wilson. So, yeah, I mean, 
that's that's the scary thing with with the Seahawks. I mean, the defense can definitely be dealt with for the 49ers. They still have some talent there. I like how Shaquille Griffin's playing at corner. Uh, the rest of the secondary is in trouble. I like, you know, obviously Bobby Wagner's still good. They still have Jerron Reed in the middle who missed the first part of the season. He was uh, suspended for, I think, the first six games. They finally got Ziggy Ansa back. Uh, of course, they traded for Jadavian Clowney there. So they've got some talent on the defense side of the ball, but they just haven't really played well together as a team on that side. We'll hear more about that defense and that whole team on Wednesday's crossover episode. But that is a scary trio of wide receivers. And DK Metcalf is leading all rookie wide receivers right now in touchdown catches and yards. So, and Lockett's just a problem. And then you add Josh Gordon to that, who's not what he was. This isn't the 2012-2013 version of Josh Gordon, but he's still a beast out there. So, yeah, they've got some firepower. And they have, right now, the leading MVP candidate in the league in Russell Wilson throwing those guys the ball, and they've been able to run the ball pretty well, too, with Chris Carson and the rest of that group. So it's a formidable team. They are not as good as some of the Seahawks teams the 49ers have faced in the past. The Legion of Boom is obviously gone, which is a big part of that. But you still have Russell Wilson. You do have some firepower on offense. And if anything, these games might start to look a little bit different than they did a few years ago with the powerhouse 49ers and Seahawks defenses, but I still like the matchup for the 49ers, and it'll be a big test, though, for that secondary if the 49ers front isn't able to get to Russell Wilson, and if Wilson's able to use his legs like he always seems to do against the 49ers, create some space, create more time, and find some of those speedsters down the field. Another submission from Twitter for a 49ers nickname, Casey says, can you help me push the new nickname to the 49ers faithful, the Relentless? Baywatch. Baywatch. Hmm, I don't know. I'm going to write it down on my list here. I don't know if Baywatch is going to make it, Casey. I think of Baywatch. It reminds me of those, you know, those uh, those kind of cheesy 90s, 80s and 90s posters, sports related posters that uh, that were super popular. I had one that had Will Clark and Kevin Mitchell. So this was a late 80s San Francisco Giants. It was Will Clark, Kevin Mitchell and it said Pacific Sock Exchange. And they were in shirt and ties, and they were like, you know, trading stocks or something. They were in some room that looked like the Stock Exchange. Pretty cheese. I could totally see Baywatch being one of those and would have, you know, four guys in red with their shirts off, and it would say Baywatch, but it'd be a 49ers poster. That's what I envision when I hear that nickname. I don't know if that one's going to stick, Casey, but uh, I'm going to add it to my list here, and we'll talk about some of the names we've got. Some of them we've had before. The Gold Rush, I've heard a lot, but come on. That's what the cheerleaders are always called. That's too easy. That's not going to fly. Smelting Crew, that was one submitted last week. My two favorites, I like the Pretenders because it's what people called the 49ers, and the 49ers have fought back with that name, talking about, hey, if you're going to call us pretenders then, you still got to call us pretenders now. The one I think that my favorite, though, is Hot Boys. And I think even more so now with Quan Alexander being out because the Hot Boys was kind of his thing, and I think it was more of a linebacker's thing. I think it really could encompass the entire front seven and maybe even the whole defense. And like a, 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 a nod to Quan Alexander, a hat tip to Quan Alexander since he's out now and they could rally around that name and be the Hot Boys on defense, I don't know. That one might be 
my favorite one still. But I like the submissions. Let's let's keep hearing some nicknames, and I think naturally one will jump out if the 49ers are destined to, to have a nickname on defense. Staying with the defense, Steve on Twitter says, Hey, Brian, I remember you liking Aziz Alshair during the summer. With the sad loss of Quan. do you think we start to see him more often, or is he not a suitable replacement just yet? Love your work. Keep it up. I think we'll see him a little bit probably, and we've we'd already seen him with Quan Alexander healthy, getting a few reps, middle linebacker, weak side linebacker, and I think he might still have that role and, and see a little bit of those positions. But what we might see is him being being the starter at strong side linebacker as Dre Greenlaw moves from strong side to the weak side full time in place of Quan. That's the way I guess it would look, but I think it's going to be a work in progress. And they'll see how these guys play, and they'll see how it all comes together. And who knows, maybe Al Shire will play well with increased reps, and we'll start to see more and more reps. And who knows, maybe he'll start to see some work at weak side linebacker as well, um, potentially even have a, an opportunity to compete for a starting job there while Quan's out. I don't think it's a slam dunk that Dre Greenlaw is better than Aziz Al Shire right now. David says the Seahawks squeezed past the Bucks and the Bengals. The Rams barely made it past the Browns, and the Packers just ate it against the Chargers. Why is there still a 49ers haven't played anyone narrative from a lot of places when every game in the NFL is so obviously difficult? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And the 49ers' schedule hasn't been any less difficult than the Seahawks. In fact, the Seahawks have had an easier schedule. The Patriots have had the easiest schedule in the league. So, yeah, it's every team is good in the NFL for the most part, save just a few teams. And you're right, the Seahawks darn near lost at home to the Bengals to start the season. That was a close one. And any team can get beaten on any given week, and no win should be overlooked in the NFL and throw all that stuff out. Just watch the 49ers play. They're good. And that's it's that simple. So, yeah, the, the narrative and the narrative is pretty much done now. The 49ers have done enough. They've beaten the Rams. They've beaten the Panthers. And they've just thumped a bunch of other teams that they should beat. And so that's key. And the 49ers are going to lose a game, too. And if, even if they lost on Monday Night Football, that doesn't mean they're not a good team because they're definitely a good team. And it's anybody who knows the game and watches the game watches the 49ers and realizes, oh shoot, this is a really good team. And you're I mean they're they're at the top of power rankings on all the major media sites anyway. So I think that narrative is is probably just some butthurt fans for the most part of opposing teams of the 49ers because I don't I don't think anyways even really talking about that uh, as a as a thing anymore about who the 49ers have played because they've just wrecked too many teams and they've beaten some good teams already. And they're going to have to still beat some good teams. Another David on Twitter, do you see the team upgrading their receiver coach in the offseason? The young receivers are not developing and seems similar to what we saw with defensive backs in previous seasons. It's a tough question because you don't know exactly how they're being coached up. Uh, They brought in young wide receivers coaches, Wes Welker, Miles Austin, to work with these guys. And they're on the newer side of things. And so obviously they wanted to make a change there and try to upgrade that coaching group you would definitely have hoped for and expected a little quicker, a little better development with some of the younger wide receivers. So I could see how you could go down that path with your thinking. Um, You know, Kyle Shanahan has a big hand in obviously all of the positions on offense and the entire team, but he was a former wide receiver. So 
Uh, part of that is on him, too. With the development of the young guys, you would like to see it go faster. But 100% of the players you draft aren't going to turn out to be you know, dynamic playmakers. Sometimes guys are just what they are. Sometimes they don't develop. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes wide receivers two, three years. And sometimes it's just on them. And having some veterans in there, I think Emmanuel Sanders will help these guys. Having some veterans around will really be a uh, key in learning some things that you might not have seen before from coaches. Someone that can show you exactly how to run routes and how to work the habits and what goes into being a great wide receiver. To Sully on Twitter, what's up, BP? What is your biggest concern heading into Monday Night Football against Seattle? Now, that's easy. The biggest concern, I think, is Russell Wilson. Uh, secondary concern, if that answer is too easy, is the run defense. Missing Quan now, uh, already showing flashes of teams being able to run against the 49ers. A couple of teams doing it early, and then the 49ers figuring out something to thwart that. But then there's been the last two games... Uh, McCaffrey still had a big game, even though the Panthers lost that one. And then uh, last week, a dude who was only on the roster for three days was having his way with the 49ers in the running game, too, for the Cardinals, who don't have a great offensive line. So uh, I would say that run defense, they've got to prove that they're uh, up to snuff there. And getting some players back, I think, will help the 49ers run game on the offensive side of the ball. Okay, we've still got a bunch to get to. More mailbag coming up. This podcast is brought to you in part by Peloton. Can't find a workout that keeps you engaged? Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. To our guy team, he says, who do you think is the most likely candidate to come off IR for us, I would have assumed the wideouts, but with the addition of Sanders, maybe it's not. What is the timetable? And the last week, we can add a player from injured reserve. Uh, you can add a player back from injured reserve all the way up to the end of the season. Uh, they just have to be on IR for eight weeks, and some of those guys are coming up here in November. Uh, I think it is November 24th is maybe the date that both or I think it's the week before that, actually. So the 17th for for Taylor, I think, and the 24th for Hurd. I have to double-check double that. But, you know, coming up in the next few weeks, those guys are going to be eligible to come back. Haven't really heard much about them. Um, with Street, I don't, there's so much depth on the defensive line. You already have a healthy scratch in Julian Taylor, who would probably deserve to play over Street anyway at this point. And, in fact, I would like to see Julian Taylor active because I think he's big and beastly and would help along that defensive line in the run game. Uh, they need someone who can take on some some double team blocks right there. And they, I think they need some beef up front inside that would help in that run game. But uh, I don't know. I, I just don't know how healthy those guys are. And they haven't really gotten any good reports. Last we heard, they both had some setbacks. And, and neither one looked like they were ready right now to come off. So maybe nobody comes off of IR. And I think they'll just you know attack that with, with each player that becomes available and I would assume that if everyone got healthy Trent Taylor's the guy they would want to have come off of IR because of how well he was playing in the offseason and I know Shanahan loves him and I know Garoppolo's already got a nice rapport with him and he's just another wide receiver another guy that can help move the chains for the 49ers offense to Layton says how do you think the Niners are going to play Wilson on defense the Niners will be playing Murray again the week after will the same game apply to Murray as well 
yeah, I don't know. Maybe they learned some stuff from Murray and how they're going to attack Russell Wilson. And of course, the most mobile of all quarterbacks coming up in week 13 with the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. So you, you do worry a little bit that those are the teams that could give the 49ers the biggest fits. And Russell Wilson always seems to give I mean, gives everybody fits, but he always gives the 49ers fits, too. So uh, what we saw last week is the 49ers get after Murray, and he started to make a few plays. So what they did is stopped rushing and started trying to corral him, and that didn't really help too much. So I think you just go after him. Just go after Russell Wilson. If he makes some plays, he makes some plays. But being passive and sitting back, I just don't think it suits the 49ers defense and maybe you try to do that if you're if you're uh, playing with a lead and you're being conservative but I just you know all gas no brakes that doesn't make sense to me for the way Robert Sala likes to do things on defense I think you go after him and you have an opportunity to learn from it this week when you play Russell Wilson and if he beats you too many times then maybe you play a little bit more of a passive approach in week 17 when you go up against him and maybe you learn a little bit on how to corral Uh, Lamar Jackson, I think Lamar Jackson's a different beast than Russell Wilson. You really have to sort of spy him and have a plan in place to stop his run game and worry about the pass secondary. Let's go to Martin. He says, from 6-10 to 4-12 to 8-0 now, what hope can I give my friend who is a New York Jets fan that they could emulate this? Shout out from Scotland. Man, I don't know what to tell you about the New York Jets. I would say the number one thing is... Fire Adam Gase because I think he's a trash head coach and hope that Sam Darnold is the right guy at quarterback. You've got some talent up the middle. You've got Quinn Williams, who could be a stud defensive lineman. You've got some building blocks there on defense. You've got C.J. Mosley, veteran linebacker. You've got Jamal Adams at safety. Throw all of your draft resources at players on the edge and on the outside. Cornerbacks, pass rushers, wide receivers, and obviously the offensive line to help out Sam Darnold because you've got a lot of good players right now up the middle. So you need some speed on the outside, and you hope you have your quarterback in Sam Darnold. Get yourself a better head coach, and that would be my advice uh, to the New York Jets, and it can happen. And when it happens, it happens pretty quick. If they don't move on from Adam Gase, you just have to cross your fingers that he's the guy, and it's like how it was with the 49ers when it was a pretty bare roster early on and they built the thing up and then all of a sudden, finally, when it comes, it comes quickly and the team is really good and potentially could be next year for the New York Jets, but a lot has to go right there. Let's go to Trevor. Assuming no setbacks, knock on wood, I can't wait to see what this offense looks like with both starting tackles and the OW coming back, especially since Jimmy G seems to be hitting his stride in this offense. Absolutely, Trevor. And we might not even see the benefits in the pass game as much as we see him in the run game because the run game has sputtered a little bit uh, since both tackles have been out. They've been able to run some weeks, but not others. I think having Staley, McGlinchey is one of the best run blocking tackles in the NFL. And look, the guys have done a great job filling in there at offensive tackle, but they're not Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey. And then, of course, Kyle Juszczyk is so important to a lot of things and a lot of what Kyle Shanahan likes to do on offense. So I think that'll be a huge boost for the 49ers offense, especially in the run game, but in the pass game as well. And and Jimmy Garoppolo does look like he's settling in. And don't forget, Jimmy Garoppolo still has only one one full season's worth of starting experience in the NFL now. 
So he's going to continue to get better with reps and more reps under Shanahan. He hasn't he didn't get a full season of practice with Shanahan in 2017 because they traded for him at the deadline. Didn't get a full season of practice with Shanahan last year because of the ACL. So this is still the first full season for him to have an offseason and a regular season of reps in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And he still only started, you know, 16 games with the 49ers. So I expect Jimmy Garoppolo to continue to get better. And we're seeing it. Where are we at here on time? Okay, let's finish this off with Jordan, who says, if Greenlaw doesn't play well, what do you think about Tart playing linebacker and Moore or Harris going to safety? That's interesting. Uh, I So if Greenlaw's not cutting it and you're saying put a safety there and, and I there's some, you know, it makes some sense. Maybe they do more dime looks than nickel looks, especially in obvious down and distance situations, obvious pass downs and you pull a linebacker off the field but if you're doing that put your best 11 on the field if if Akella Weatherspoon's back at right cornerback I would put Mosley because that would be probably a slot position anyway and have Mosley cover people it depends on personnel groupings you know obviously if you're going four wide put four corners out there maybe if it's a big player like a tight end uh, maybe you want to go safety instead but I think they're you know, I think that makes some sense, and you should be able to get a little bit better coverage from a defensive back than you would a linebacker. I think they're going to let Greenlaw sink or swim somewhat to start, and who knows, maybe that game plan could get torn up very quickly if if Greenlaw starts getting beat a lot, and maybe they'll try Al-Shaeer, and you know, there's a lot of things they could try to do here, and I think it'll take an entire team just like it has on offense with some of the, the injuries that they have covered for for the last few weeks but my guess is that they would leave tart as Kyle Shanahan has talked about he doesn't want to create two holes right because you move one guy now you still got to plug the other hole that you just move the guy from I would think that they would just leave tart alone let him do what he's been doing and then move one of the other safeties or or cornerbacks over into that spot and that's my guess is is the way they would do it if they did add a Another defensive back to the mix. but And Moore is not really a, a close-to-the-line-of-scrimmage player, so maybe he could say, okay, let's move Ward up to play closer to the line of scrimmage and have Tarverius Moore play deep safety. I could see that, too. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways they could do this, so uh, it's going to be some puzzle pieces moved around, I think, until they get the right, uh, the right recipe. But the hope is that Greenlaw can just uh, take care of it and, and fill in nicely for Quan Alexander. All right, thanks everybody for getting involved in this mailbag. Apologies if I did not get to your questions. Be back tomorrow with a crossover. We'll hit some more mailbag questions on Thursday with Wink right here, Locked On 49ers.